Please be advised that the following podcast does contain adult themes and languages. Thank you. Welcome to the Illuminating Mycelium Podcast. The podcast for everyday people by everyday people. I'm your host, Project Dave, and I'm back at it again to continue highlighting and amplifying the lives, ventures, and endeavors of everyday people just like you and me and learning from them along the way. Today, I'll be interviewing Eric Osborne. Eric is the former founder and president of Myco Meditations and Magnificent Mushrooms and the current founder and president of PLEDGE, which stands for Psilocybin Liberation Education Discipline and Guidance. We discuss his past, current, and future work, psilocybin therapy, psychedelic research, and what the future holds for psilocybin. Be sure to check out the links in the description box to check out Eric further. His organization, Pledge, is doing a lot of great work, but I don't want to spoil it for you, so go check out that website. (laughs) Without further ado, here comes Eric. When talking about everyday people and their stories, we can't help but talk about all their hard work. So grab a cup of coffee. I often think about what fuels a lot of these everyday folks, as well as what sustains me personally. Coffee certainly helps, but it can't just be any coffee. It's gotta be coffee made by everyday people for everyday people. The kind that when you brew it in a pot, it kind of just draws everyone to the kitchen and they're sniffing that aroma. Our beans are sourced from small businesses in the heart of the Appalachia. My personal favorite, the Route 39 blend from Lexington Roasters is a Forbes top-ranked coffee. You can also check the notes on each blend to determine flavor profiles, shipping, and more. Beans are roasted on a weekly basis to ensure freshness. So if you're looking for some extra fuel to aid you in your everyday lives, ventures, and endeavors, go to thegrindbluefield.com backslash shop dash coffee dash roast or click the link in the description to pick out your next coffee beans and brew a pot of happiness. The grind never stops. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Before we dive into some of the work that you've done and some of the stuff that you're currently up to, can you just give a brief introduction to some of our listeners? Uh, Yeah, my name is Eric Osborne. I uh, have been involved in many different aspects of medicinal mushroom work for the last 23, four years of my life. A big portion of that has been legal psilocybin work for the last seven years, since 2013 anyway. I was running psilocybin retreats in Jamaica. I uh, was the founder of Myco Meditations, the first public, fully legal psilocybin retreat, I believe anywhere in the world, uh, definitely in Jamaica. Uh, I think there was some there was some stuff going on in South Africa for a while with a lady named Monica. She was doing kind of more like religious ceremonial work where as ours was not any type of ceremonial. It was, it was purely therapeutic. Got a long history with lots of different mushrooms. <laughs> nice, nice. Thanks for sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. So you actually started out as an English teacher, right? Well, I started out as a construction worker, <laughs> and then I became a Subway sandwich guy, and then I became, I don't know, a bunch of different things, but I, my professional career started in education. Yeah, I taught uh, middle school language arts for uh, about seven years, six or seven years I did that, and all the while I had a, you know, a, a 
love and a hobby with mushrooms, hunting wild mushrooms and, and growing on a kind of a hobby scale. And then I got access to a farm up in Southern Indiana. I'm from, I'm from Kentucky and I got access to a farm in Southern Indiana, went up there and started a company called Magnificent Mushrooms in 2009 and grew, you know, I don't know, 15 or so different varieties of, of edible and medicinal mushrooms. I uh, was doing really well with that. I uh, got did a lot of education around that too, a lot of workshops and teaching people how to grow and how to pick and, and all that. And then uh, I was doing underground psilocybin work. And in 2015, I was reported and I was arrested and I ended up losing my farm and had to kind of restart my life. And that's not when I started Michael Meditations. I had actually started Michael Meditations, like I said, in 2013 and was doing it kind of word of mouth. I wasn't publicizing it really because I had I was doing so much underground uh, illegal psilocybin work. And I, I mean, actually, you know, selling quite a bit of psilocybin as well as having right. ceremonies. And so after I was arrested and I got charged with three B felonies, pretty much figured that my best bet was to take take Michael meditations to as far as I could uh, and just go as public as I could with it. And so that's what I did. I just put all of my efforts into Michael meditations. And very quickly, it, it really took off in 2016 is when I had kind of things really started going. And then 20, about 2017, 2018, I was taking partners and taking investors and things started growing really quickly. And here in the last year, though, it's been, you know, it's been seven years of really grueling work. I I'd worked with a lot of people who had, who were, you know, working through some very, very deep trauma of all varieties. And, uh, you know, it kind of took a toll on me. And so I have recently kind of re recapitulated and now I'm back in the States. I've got, I've sold my portion of Michael meditations to my partners. I'm up in the States and we are, I have, I have a nonprofit here called pledge stands for psilocybin liberation, education, discipline, and guidance. And it is a, uh, organization that raises money for scholarships to send people to legal psilocybin retreats and therapy centers. And so that's what I came up here to put my efforts into. Uh, so I really, you know, while I've, I've, I'm, I'm not in opposition to making money from psilocybin, but, you know, my heart is really in the service and helping people gain access and, and affordable access. You know, that was a big, big part. And it's, it's, it's hard to make a foreign retreat affordable to, you know, the, the broad population. So we're actually in the process, and this is the first time I'm going to say this publicly, uh, we're in the process of opening a legal psilocybin church here in Kentucky. It's going to be called Sanctuary with a P. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. We're really excited about it. It's moving very quickly and we expect to be offering services in April by the end of April at the latest. And, uh, there's a number of people from the, from my, my, the Myco team that, uh, are a part of that and uh, a number of new people as well. And, uh, yeah, we're really excited. We're putting a lot of energy into it and we think it's going to be a, a really an amazing offering for people to have very affordable access to these sacred mushrooms. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I might have to make my way out to Kentucky sometime soon. <laughs> please, please do. Please do. When did you first become aware of your love for fungi? And also, like, were psilocybin fungi always a part of your love for fungi? Or did that kind of come along later? 
Well, you know, when I was a kid, I just loved mushrooms. I just thought they were amazing. I was always scared of them. You know, my parents told me not to touch them. You get sick and all that stuff. But I, I can remember mowing the yard and, and stopping to look at mushrooms. I remember finding hen of the woods when I was young and just marveling at whatever this crazy fungus was, uh, chicken of the woods. I can remember finding chicken of the woods and just being like, what the fuck is this? And then, you know, when I, <laughs> when I found out you could eat it, I was just even more amazed, but it was like, you know, I was 19 when I took my first dose of psilocybin, I fell in love immediately. I was just like, Oh, this is my, this is my jam here. You know, um, I've always had a kind of yeah, a, a, having a, I've had a, an affinity for altered states, shall we say for a very long time. And when I took mushrooms, I knew that was, that was where I, my heart was. So it was kind of a little bit of both. I mean, I, I, I was taking psilocybin and I say like, I took my first dose of psilocybin when I was 19. By the time I was mm-hmm. 20, I was growing and hunting wild mushrooms. But before I had taken psilocybin, I had an interest in mushrooms, you know, so it it just kind of all it has, has or, very organically developed. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the mycelium has colonized every corner of my life at this point. <laughs> I love that. That's that's reminds me of the name that I have for my podcast and why I started is that I see humans as mycelium too coming together mm. networking you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. absolutely i've always had a big fascination for mycelium so absolutely i mean there's just there's just so much that we can learn from the workings of the mushroom for sure so i wanted to ask you a few specific questions about myco meditations because i remember i first came across you when you appeared on the mushroom revival podcast mm-hmm. and you had talked a little bit about some of the work that you do there so You've given over two, or you've administered over 2000 psilocybin sessions, correct? 2000 doses I've had. I had about a thousand clients that I've worked with down there and everybody took at least three doses. Uh, so, you know, counting all the, there, there, you could say, well, I guess if it was a thousand people and everybody had three sessions, that's 3000 sessions. That's a lot. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a lot. It's a, no, it's a not, it, well, that would be the case. It was a thousand people. So, you know, there was mm-hmm. like 10 people per session. So I don't know. It's not like, you know, I don't know, 500 sessions that I've been a part of, but you know, there's been like at least 3000 doses of psilocybin that I have handed out and, and not just handed out, but, you know, presided over or, or, or been a caretaker for. Right. Right. That's awesome. Now, I'm sure that you've had a lot of experiences that are both beautiful and also maybe some more challenging experiences, (laughs) helping people overcome trauma or whatever else they're facing. Mm -hmm. Can you speak a little bit to both the the good experiences and the bad and how you navigate both of those? Well, I don't know that I would call any of them bad. Even, you know, there's there's been some extremely challenging ones. There's no doubt. And I, I have seen this medicine perform in ways that baffled me. I mean, even within, you know, my last, the last few sessions that I did, like before COVID and right after COVID, there were things that happened that were just, I don't know, there's just no words for it. And, and and I know that a lot of what I've seen would terrify a lot of people, but, you know, I've consumed a hell of a lot of psilocybin too. I mean, I've at least taken 500 doses myself and I have had 
high, high level doses. And, and I, you know, I've, I've thought that I was dying or losing my mind or being ripped to shreds or, you know, you name it uh, countless times. And so it's that trust that I have in the medicine that has allowed me to be really present for these experiences that, that probably medical professionals, I'm quite certain there are many medical professionals that would, you know, insist upon some kind of uh, psychiatric care or some kind of, you know, emergency <laughs> care. When I, I, I know now through all of my self-experimentation and my self-work and working with others, I know beyond the shadow of doubt that if you trust the medicine and you, you know, allow the process to complete, then it's, it's going to be a beautiful ending. It may take hours, days, sometimes weeks, sometimes months. I mean, there's been people that I've worked with that, you know, a dose of mushrooms or three doses of mushrooms doesn't, you know, quote unquote, set them right immediately. But after a few months and they continue to do internal work and they continue to, you know, investigate the uh, the nature of their experience, then they continue to get benefits. So that's one of the things that I really try to impress upon people is that you cannot expect anything in particular from this experience other than eventual relief. You know, it doesn't mean it's going to happen now. And, and I mean, it's just like me. I, I had a meditation last night, just a little bit of cannabis. And, mm -hmm. and I mean, I am I'm getting stuff out of mushroom trips that I've had 10 years ago. I my, my very first mushroom trip when I was 19 years old and I'm 42 now, a year and a half ago, I was at the the end of a half a gram trip that felt like a six gram trip. And at the end of this trip, my very first mushroom trip came back like a freight train and taught me things mm. that I, I had no idea were there, you know? So I have an endless fascination for the ability of this medicine to teach us, I think for the rest of our lives. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel all that. So one last question on micro meditations, and then I want to talk to you a little bit more about pledge. So you had mentioned that you had the first legal psilocybin retreat, but I know that you had also mentioned you were arrested in 2015. Can you explain a little bit further how the laws work in Jamaica specifically for psilocybin? Uh, it's just unregulated right now. There's there are no laws around psilocybin in Jamaica. So, you know, the. I guess the, the big picture is that so in I think it was 74, I forget what the United Nations Treaty, there's the United Nations Treaty, the non-proliferation of psychoactive substances, something like that, that was signed in, I think, 74. And it internationally outlawed various chemicals, MDMA, psilocybin, LSD, DMT, blah, blah, blah. But what the United Nations I don't know if they could have, but they didn't regulate the chemicals naturally occurring or the, the plants that the chemicals naturally occur in. So synthetic psilocybin in Jamaica is illegal. DMT in Jamaica is illegal. You're listening to the Illuminating Mycelium Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, you should come check out all of our fresh new merchandise and apparel that just dropped on our store. We've got t-shirts, pants, sweatshirts, hats, phone cases, water bottles, coffee mugs, shoot, even blankies, and a ton more. 
all made with comfy fabrics and premium materials. They feature our signature logos, catchphrases, guest picks, and come in all sizes. Now shipping nationwide right to your doorstep. Just go to illuminatingmyceliumpodcast.com or click the link in the description to pick out your next gear and become the mycelium. Yeah, so the basically the United Nations gave states and nations or you know the ability to regulate the plants. So Jamaica made marijuana illegal, but they never regulated psilocybin because there has historically been such a taboo in Jamaica around mushrooms that nobody ever consumed them. Uh, none of the none of the you know, islanders ever really ate mushrooms, uh, so it never turned into a you know, they never had the hippies down there and they never turned into a big thing. So it just kind of went below the radar for a long time. And, uh, you know, I, I knew very well when I started Michael Meditations that I was going to be bringing a lot of attention to this fact. And, you know, I had a fair amount of concerns about that because, you know, I did I didn't I started going to Jamaica in 2003. I've always as long as I can remember since it's like five years old, I, I remember just having this kind of curiosity about that culture. Uh, and then I, I really started spending a lot of time with Rastas and whatnot here in the States and, and ended up in Jamaica in 20, 2003. And, you know, it was, it was years and years and years down the road where I was like, where I finally kind of realized the opportunity. And so, uh, I don't know, it's kind of cool, you know, it's kind of cool, but it's also kind of concerning because, you know, there, there are a lot of foreign interests that are coming into Jamaica now and trying to take advantage mm-hmm. of the opportunity with psilocybin. As long as Jamaica benefits, I don't care. I just want to see the people of Jamaica benefit because, you know, cannabis, Jamaicans were persecuted for cannabis, despite the fact that it was the Rastafarians that really brought cannabis to the world scene. It it wasn't the hippies. It was the Rastas that actually brought cannabis into the U.S. and made it a thing, you know, and then like the black jazz population and, and all that. So it's always been kind of breaks my heart that Jamaica suffered so much under U.S. drug laws and drug pressure. And then now, you know, the U.S. is benefiting from all of this cannabis stuff while Jamaica is just kind of left in the lurch. And so hopefully Jamaica will have an opportunity uh, to recover some of that through psilocybin. But, you know, we'll see. And I am actually still involved in Jamaica. I, I help with a, uh, a mushroom farm. I, I'm partners with a few Jamaicans, actually, and we have a psilocybin, nice. psilocybin farm there. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that with us. So now I'd like to ask you a few questions related to your current work that you're doing with Pledge. So as you mentioned, it stands for Psilocybin Liberation, Education, Discipline, and Guidance. Mm-hmm. I believe you started that in 2016, right? Mm-hmm. Do you want to just give us a brief overview of what your organization does? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when I was teaching middle school and I was working with all a bunch of inner city youth and I just thought, man, this is really what these kids need when they turn 19, 20 years old. We need to be dosing these kids with psilocybin and, and really helping to break cycles of poverty and, uh, you know, and violence and whatnot. Thought how, how helpful it would be. And then so fast forward, that was like 2006. Fast forward to 2016, shortly after I was came out of all, all of my arrest issues and, and got all that settled, I started this nonprofit. And again, its sole purpose really uh, is to raise money to for scholarship funds to send people 
disadvantaged people too, economically disadvantaged to psilocybin therapy. And we've sponsored three people over the last few years. Uh, we were we were sending people to Jamaica, and we still will. We really want to send people everywhere. I'm starting to talk with some organizations out in Oregon, so we can be ready for when the uh, legalization really takes hold out there in the next couple of years and, mm-hmm. and we can be sending people there. And then we're also really excited about the opportunity for the church to help treat people, like I said, much, much more affordably. So we're, we're expecting that pledge through the church will be able to treat people for, you know, three to $600 per session. And so it's, you know, scholarship money, people's donations will go so much further at that point. Uh, and then we do, you know, we're, we're actually building uh, some integration and educational programs for the team working on. And uh, we hope within the next six months or so to be providing, you know, more concrete services as far as the education and integration goes. But really what we're about is providing access to those that can't afford it. Yeah, that's really awesome. And I know that you mentioned a lot about how, you know, it can help people with their individual lives, processing trauma. And you had talked a little bit about how the effects of that on a larger scale. Can you maybe speak to that a little bit more about like, do you see psilocybin in particular helping reduce violence, poverty, things like that? How do you see that playing out on a large scale going forward? Yeah, that's what I can't wait to see. I mean, I think that (laughs) we we will absolutely see that. We know, I mean, there there is a decent amount of research around prison uh, recidivism, domestic violence, uh, racism, and, and, you know, ecological ignorance. I mean, you know, psilocybin is a tool that raises awareness. That's plain and simple. That's what it does. This is a tool that increases our awareness. So the more aware we become, the more we understand the implications of our actions. And then we understand that, you know, we can hopefully see ways to behave differently and change our lives. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's just like what's the, the Jamaican saying is the one, one cocoa fills a basket. So like, you know, every little bit adds up. And so eventually, you know, you already know, I mean, if we start treating, you know, thousands and eventually millions of people with these mushrooms and we continue to raise the levels of awareness and consciousness across the entire society, then you know, how could we not see massive improvements, you know? So I, I think that we have really no idea the scope of which psilocybin and other psychedelics are going to be able to heal our planet. And if we start, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, COVID has brought that into play a lot Mm. too with people's mental health. Do you think that, have you seen like COVID bring maybe psychedelics or psilocybin more to the forefront in people's minds because of everything else that's affecting them? I've, I've definitely seen a number of articles that are already speaking to that. You know, the headlines like, you know, will psilocybin save us from the COVID mental crisis and, and that kind of stuff. And I mean, you know, one of the one of the greatest detriments of this COVID crisis is the isolation. And we already know that one of the one of, if not the greatest contributor to ill mental health is a lack of connection. And so, mm-hmm. you know, psilocybin facilitates connection. Just like you said, we are all nodes in this mycelial network. And as we start to realize that deeper, then, you know, we can't help but get healthier. And so I, I do. I think that we're going to see once this hopefully lets up and we have we're 
able to move around more freely and explore some of these alternatives, I think we're going to see people rushing to psilocybin. I mean, it's it just makes sense. You know, it's it's just a mushroom. This is such a oh, this yeah. is such a natural, easily accessible mushroom. So it only makes sense that the the this kind of next wave of wellness is centered around an equitable, accessible plant like this. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So on the lighter side of things now, you yourself had mentioned you've done over 500, you said high dose, right? Of psilocybin. Well, I'd say, I'd say 500 doses, you know, what's a high dose. I mean, like I said, man, I, you know, this is a hundred percent true. And as I have matured in my work with psilocybin, I've found that it takes less to get me farther. I I mean, I had like Hmm. my, my last, well, not my last, my last two trips before COVID anyway, in Jamaica, when I was doing retreats, I took a fresh mushroom that was about the size, about half the size of my pinky, right? And both of those trips were two of the strongest trips I've ever had. I mean, they blasted me. It was amazing. And so, you know, there's, there's like high dose and low dose. And I mean, it's kind of, what is it? But, you know, yeah, I've had, <laughs> I've had at least 500 doses of psilocybin and all of them. And that's not my, that's, that's not <laughs> microdoses, right? That's 500 doses of what the fuck is going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, it's funny that you say that because I was actually just talking with some friends last week and I feel like, you know, I can kind of relate because I feel like the more I take, like the less I need mm-hmm. to, to get that same, that same feeling the next time around. And I, and I started thinking that I was just hypersensitive to psilocybin mm-hmm. But now that you say that, that, that makes sense. It makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's, it's something we don't really understand. Uh, I mean, the common, the common belief and, you know, my experience for a long time was that you do develop a, a tolerance for the experience. You develop an understanding for it. And so it's, you know, five grams to, to tomorrow is not as strong as five grams three days ago. But that's that's really not the case. And when I worked with people in Jamaica, I found very, very frequently that people would take, you know, like a, their three gram trip at the end of the week was stronger than their seven gram trip a few days before. Same mushrooms. We standardized everything. These were grounded and powdered and encapsulated. So there was all consistent. But there are there are factors that we're unaware of. And whether those are neurological, physiological factors or those environmental factors, uh, who knows right now? We do know also that the the shamans, the traditional medicine workers, would say that eventually, you know, their terminology was spirit. But what they would say, once that the mushroom spirit is with you, then you don't even need to consume the mushrooms anymore. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, the, the very first thing that the mushrooms taught me on my very first trip was it's all energy. That's the, that is the takeaway from my first trip when I was 19 years old, it's all energy. And that's true. I know that's a hundred percent. And so, so, you know, I've had experiences working in these groups of people where I could, I, I have had some amazing experiences where I did not take mushrooms, but I was tripping as hard as anybody there. Because it was a wavelength. It's, it's, it's a wavelength. And once you're tuned in to that wavelength, then you can pick it up radiating off of other people. And I, and I don't care how crazy people think this sounds. There are 
absolutely times when I have been able to transfer my trip to other people or when I have been able to step into someone else's trip through breath work, through meditation, through just sinking into that wavelength. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel that. The reason why I was bringing up that you've had over 500 doses is because I know that there's been a lot of studies showing that psilocybin can increase gray matter. So I was going to make a joke. Do you think that if they were to examine your brain, do you think that they would just find a big cloud in there or just gray matter or like a storm? Man, I, I really wish that someone that we, that we would. I've been saying that for a while and I was actually talking to a neurologist a neuroscientist down in Jamaica for a while and, and something may still come of this, but you know, I, I've, I knew from go that I was kind of a Guinea pig. I mean, you know, we all, no, I mean, not we all, but you know, many of us know people who have taken a lot of mushrooms and there's kind of an idea about, you know, people that take a lot of drugs and how, Hey man, they're all out in space, dude. And you know, I, I wanted to see what mm-hmm. would happen. And I, there were definitely times that I was, I was expanded really big. Uh, there were definitely times where I, my awareness, I would find my awareness hundreds of feet away from me. And, you know, that's, I don't, again, I don't really care what people believe about that. I mean, aware, awareness, mind is not confined to our brain, right? My mind mm-hmm. is something very different from brain. And that mind is what we dive into with psilocybin. And so, you know, there were, there were definitely times that I was out there for a while, but I always was still always able to keep it together. I've always been, you know, I'm a father of four kids. I'm, I'm a good father. I'm a good, very present husband. I love my community. I love my family. I love my work, you know? So I think that I, I think that I'm a, a, a good uh, test subject to illustrate the safety of psilocybin say that. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, that's all that I had. Was there anything else that you wanted to share before departing? Uh, you know, I just always want to issue a word of caution. It's 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 easy to talk about how safe and beneficial these these substances are, and and overall they are. But there there is a need for caution. I think the the greatest caution should be around the who and where you take your mushrooms with, right? Because if you're not if you're not in a place with people that you feel safe with, then don't take mushrooms. And if you are not with people that you know are very experienced and are not judgmental, then don't take a whole lot of mushrooms because you know people have an idea that mushrooms are fun and giggly and and they are often, but they can also be terrifying. And you know. I've had experiences uh, uh, maybe two years ago or a year and a half ago. I had an experience and as again, <laughs> like 500 doses. And this, this one experience on <laughs> seven grams, maybe uh, I seriously thought for about three hours that the only way to get myself out of the, the prison that the prison planet that I was on was to kill myself. And like if it had not been for all of my years of training myself to just ride it out, fucking ride it out. You've got to ride it out. Do not call the police. Do not call the ambulance. Don't call your parents. Don't call your friends. Don't get people worried about you. Ride it out. It will pass. 
You will be better off for it. Have somebody that you can talk to about the experience that's not going to judge you. But, you know, this is they're, they're not playthings. There's there's this kind of belief that ayahuasca is the serious medicine, that LSD is the stuff that can make you go crazy. Psilocybin mushrooms can fuck your world up. You know, mm-hmm. so just to always respect the medicine. That's just that's the that's the primary thing is to respect the medicine um, and, and be safe with it. Yeah, definitely. That's some solid advice there. Appreciate that. Yeah, I just want to say I appreciate all your work and thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate you helping spread the information. Definitely. All right. All take right, care, man. You, David. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed the show and had fun while learning more from everyday people just like yourselves. To support us and help us spread these stories even further, please consider giving us a review or rating on whichever platform you're streaming from. There will be links in the description box just in case you can't find it. And for more news and all things everyday people, join our newsletter by going to our website. By joining, you'll also gain exclusive offers and discounts on Illuminating Mycelium merchandise and apparel from our store. Just go to IlluminatingMyceliumPodcast.com or click the link in the description and become the Mycelium.